Welcome, everybody, to the Coast to Coast Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Misha. Today, we're going to be diving into the premiere of the record-breaking new movie, Joker, as well as the release of Apex Legends Season 3. But first, we want to thank everyone, of course, for tuning in. This is the inaugural episode of Coast to Coast Podcast, and it's it's definitely more than just going to be a weekly um, release of entertainment news, movies, TV shows, video games. Um, this has kind of been like a culmination of our friendship that Misha and I have had since middle school. Um, we used to, um, you know, stay up super late, three, four in the morning playing video games, waiting to go see midnight releases for movies that we weren't even old enough to go see by ourselves, um, watching TV shows, talking about them. Again, this kind of culture that we developed at a younger age has kind of been more than just interest to us. It kind of has molded and transformed our friendship um, even up to this point in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, growing up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, obviously we had uh, quite a few years of that close friendship, like Kyle said, going to movie premieres, playing lots of video games. But, uh, you know, it came to a point in our lives where going to school, uh, I chose to go to Arizona. Uh, after uh, school finished up for us, we found ourselves on opposite sides of the country. So I'm in San Francisco. Kyle is in Richmond, Virginia. And over a decade later, since the friendship began, um, you know, this common thread of movies, TV, video games has always kept us together. And thanks to, but also modern technology, we've been able to stay in touch uh, and have a really, really strong bond that kind of shine through for you guys and allow us to connect a little bit with you. Of course. And like I said, we do want to um, get a lot of your feedback as well. Um, so definitely, you know, send us your questions, um, give us your feedback on things that we're talking about. Um, certainly get involved with us as we um, get involved with each other and the content that we have. We want to definitely make this a community and some sort of an outlet um, for those who might have gotten out of touch with their childhood best friends that they would play video games with or go to movie premieres with. We want to um, kind of start this, like, I guess community is the best word just for um, not only our uh, friendship to continue growing, but also make you know, different friendships with you all as listeners as well. So that, that sense of community, obviously, we're not going to try to take ourselves too seriously. We don't offer too much credibility, but hopefully um, our passion and allowing you guys to get involved uh, will make for a great show. So with that, Kyle, should we get started? Yes, let's dive into the 2019 release of Joker. And here we go. So Joker, directed by Todd Phillips, the director of uh, most notably Hangover and starring Joaquin Phoenix, premiered this weekend. Um, it broke an October box office record uh, at the time of recording $93.5 million worth of ticket sales this weekend. Um, hmm. And Joker is basically a standalone origin story, obviously about the Joker in the Batman series the Joker's alter ego uh, man named Arthur Fleck who is sort of a socially awkward stand-up comedian who 
we see this development into the villain that um, we've come to know and love or sometimes hate. Been met with a lot of acclaim, both positive and negative, but uh, Kyle, what did you think of the premiere? My So initially, um, I want to say that this, this movie is good. Um, it is a good movie. It is... It's challenging, um, which I think is why it's good. Um, nobody, you know, depending on who you are, um, I guess, or maybe regardless of who you are and what your political knowledge is, I think you'll be challenged um, watching this movie. Um, of course, the score is amazing. Um, it's the same uh, person, I believe, who did the Chernobyl series on HBO. Like you yeah. said, Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Of course, he is a very, very talented actor. Um, I'm sure we'll have a lot more conversation around him come Oscar, Oscar time. Um, and he is definitely a very frightening, uh, frightening Joker. And um, another thing for me was, um, a, was that when I went to go see this movie, um, I know it broke some box office records, um, but I was a little bit worried leaving the movie that not many people are actually going to go see it because um, there was hardly anyone in the theater on a Friday night when I went to go see it. I think there was maybe 20 people in there and that was like one of the largest theaters that the, that the movie theater had. Sure. Um, Yeah. I wonder if that might have to be, have to do with something regional because the theater that me and Shannon, my girlfriend uh, saw the premiere at on Friday night was uh, pretty, pretty packed. Oh, wow. Yeah. It could just be it. I just figured either people, are getting tired of getting burned by DC um, or they're just kind of exhausted of the climate that we're in. And it doesn't really sound like a fun movie, but rather, you know, more of a dangerous one. Right. Yeah. And I think there was a bit of maybe a misconception that some people thought this was going to be a superhero movie akin to some of the DC movies or even Marvel movies that have come out that are, a bit more light and fun um the one word that really stuck out to me when i left the theater that kept popping up in my head was like this movie was really dark um really violent um if you're a parent or someone who's taking a kid to a marvel movie i wouldn't recommend (laughs) taking a kid to joker um it was really uh, really intense yeah and i think that the movie's early reputation of being dangerous is um, not entirely unwarranted. Um, so pretty much after I got out of my screening, um, I read some reviews, and there seems to be two categories of people um, on the web and um, that are talking about this movie. There's people that see the trends or know the trends that are kind of happening online and, and in the margins of, of society and are plugged into that, and that this seems like a really scary thing to have out there right now and then there's people that are not really aware of that stuff at all and they're just critiquing it on its merits as like a joker movie or like a refresh of of taxi driver um and i think those sure. people should probably you know stop hitting the snooze on the political alarm clock no i, I definitely agree um and like yourself um this before I saw this movie, I really didn't look too much into its reception, like I do with a lot of movies. I kind of went in with a blank slate. The theater, while kind of disturbed, I really thought it was a great film. Uh, but upon kind of doing a little bit of after-action 
uh, reading on you know different reviews and different takes on the movie, it seemed to be like generally across the board pretty negative acclaim. Which you know there were some contentions that you know the left the story left something to be sort of like added to society or a larger message. Um, well, I think it was kind of a really. I don't feel like it necessarily had to. Um, the movie itself had a message almost as like dark and nihilistic as the Joker's character, you know. So like, it was really more about his development. You could see that sort of that political message that you, you're saying that people um, are hitting the snooze button on. Right, and we we definitely want to pay attention to that and also if you haven't seen the joker please please go see it um we are going to try to keep this as spoiler free as possible but um you know if you haven't seen it yet i would maybe pause this episode go watch it and then come back with us just in case we um, need to explain things a little bit more in detail totally and to uh kick off the semi-spoilers <laughs> um so the the wayne family does kind of make an appearance in this film indication that i thought that they were trying to maybe communicate something a bit political was with the portrayal of thomas wayne uh bruce wayne's father and uh, magnate of the wayne empire uh there was a moment in the film where they interview him and he came across slightly like uh kind of in his regard for um and not necessarily protected classes but like economic or things like that i could see them sort of making sort of a loose comparison and that's kind of where my my antenna kind of caught on to the slightly political theme did you pick up on any race themes watching it no i, I don't think so like i think it mainly had to do with like economic class more so than race yeah no there was a, a very obvious juxtaposition of both the lower class and the upper class mm-hmm. for instance when uh, Joker is riding into Gotham uh, on a bus you know everything's kind of run down uh, the bus is in tatters there's graffiti all over the windows but later in the film when he's riding on sort of like a first class train cabin to um, a more affluent part of the city you see a very similar shot looking down the cabin that's just like everything's pristine everybody's reading newspapers and has on suits and things like that and then there's this tension um, kind of between the film that I think obviously culminates in some of the film's later events. But uh, I didn't necessarily think it was quite so much focused on race as it was on economic class. Yeah, I only bring that up because I, 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 and again, I don't really know the connection to race myself. I just thought it was interesting that um, in the beginning of the movie where he does get um, jumped by that group of kids, it seems like they're right. just kind of like unidentifiable um you know some sort of brown full of color yeah and then sure. um you have his social worker who was also a black lady um not really able to help him and again on the bus he's riding into gotham that's um the african-american mother with her child and she also dismisses him and his and his problems that he's having and then um of course you have his neighbor in his apartment complex who's also an african-american and then you have um that connection as well and then of course the wayne family and all the bankers being just rich white dudes sure yeah i mean and if that's you know what was intended uh like an intended effect of the movie i don't really think that's 
it, it doesn't seem super responsible, um, but I can see where you're kind of drawing the motif from. Um, it spoke, I think, more strongly about just economic class because that's something that affects everybody, you know, regardless of color. You're, um, you're, this movie uh, portrayed was that, like, if you are lower class, like, people look down on you or they are not so prone to um, be nice to you or give you a... Um, so, I, I, yeah, I didn't really feel too much like it was a race thing. Yeah, and, and I feel uh, like people who don't like this movie, I feel like um, they think it's you know nihilist or doesn't have any solutions um, mm. to the problems or that, that violence is the only solution after you've been, you know, raped by the system pretty much um sure but like to me it's it's maybe we should look at you know raising the taxes and funding these mental health care organizations and sure it's going to cost what it's going to cost but the things we buy with that definitely contributes to a society where you know stuff like this doesn't happen right and mental illness was a very strong thread throughout the movie obviously so um arthur fleck uh, suffers from some sort of mental illness. They don't really say or provide too many details on what it is, um, but he is taking lots of meds in the beginning of the movie um, and meeting with a, you know, city-funded, like, social service player. Um, and throughout the film, um, I think they really make it a point to focus on that. So I, for me, it was hard to, to understand coming away what sort of message they were mental illness to me it almost seemed Arthur stops taking his meds and he becomes a lot more volatile and erratic um, and you know there's kind of two sides of debates when it comes to mental illness on, on medication and some people are like you know medication isn't the answer but for some mental illnesses people really can't survive without their meds so I almost thought there might have been like a deeper sort of like prescription meds mm -hmm. as well but um mental illness definitely played a big part so i could see uh, where you're coming from there yeah and coming from more of like a cinematic uh cinematography angle of the movie i think it was it was really tense in some scenes like um like you can't almost like catch your breath like it, it could go several different ways it kind of reminded me of some of the scenes from uh country for old men where the main mm -hmm. character in there would just you know he'd flip the coin and as the coins landing, you kind of feel the whole theater kind of like grip up because you don't really know because those scenes are so well sure. shot and the camera work is often so claustrophobically tight on mm. on Joaquin Phoenix, who you know he's in nearly every scene. Um, yeah, and yeah. that like on a side note, like it's gonna be really tough to beat the for like a best actor nod for the Oscars this year. Um, we haven't really seen too many strong like lead male performances so far and this I think just screams it's like the type of film that the Academy loves uh, to do best best Oscar nods for um, but yeah I think uh, that, that sort of like tension and anxiety was really like ripe throughout the entire theater I know I was like clutching and so was Chan and my girlfriend we went to see it with we were like clutching at the seat or at each other's hands during parts where you could sort of just like you knew something was coming um, and I think just as much of like the camera angles and the music that played into that tension and anxiety was 
that the filmmaker created um, early on. So like one of, one of the first scenes, uh, they're like talking on the radio about like trash piling up in everything is shot in a very like grim and dark color palette and uh, you know there's graffiti on every corner and I think what this movie where I think a lot of movies are sort of told in a vacuum is the environment plays like a real part in in that tension and anxiety um, where it is like almost believable but there's something that they just like cranked up to 11 uh to a point where it's like a little unrecognizable but you could almost see in that excuse me living in that environment yeah it definitely and dc kind of how it always kind of has this movie is is that this gotham is kind of like a timeless era i think it was it was like 1981 i think it's when this was supposed to be taking place um but definitely timeless in that these issues that we're talking about and that you can see in the movie carry to to present day and um, I kind of want to go back to the scene where he was so readily accessible to getting a firearm and how that's so relatable to our current right. society as well yeah totally um, I mean that was one of the first instances where you just like you know something's going to go wrong because there's somebody that they've already kind of characterized as a little off, um, uh, a little like unwell, I guess you could say. And then somebody just like hands him a gun in the brown paper bag, swinging yeah. it around his apartment or whatnot. But, um, and it definitely, the movie, it, I don't want to say, cause I've seen again, reviews that where people say that it tries to get the sympathy from the audience for the Joker and for what he became and i think the film you know it may ask viewers to empathize with you know with the joker but it doesn't necessarily ask for us to forgive him for his increasingly evil choices that he makes throughout the film right yeah i think you you become a little conflicted along the way like when you know like he's getting beat up by those kids or um when he gets fired for something that was seemingly innocuous uh you you do sort of feel bad but then you kind of find yourself questioning when he's doing things that increasingly are are more uh violent or disturbing yeah and it's i think these are all uh, and we keep hitting on this is that we all are aware of these issues and we're concerned and i think that's why this movie kind of took the toll and the the direction that it that it did is that because we talk about these problems and Todd Phillips as a director um, certainly isn't afraid to talk about these issues yeah he actually I saw something really interesting about kind of why he took a pivot because obviously he's most well known for The Hangover which is obviously um, and he, when he asked about like why he transitioned to these more serious topics um, it was because he like he felt like he culture he increasingly is more wary of like how people are going to react to comedy or things like that and so i think that's like a very big societal shift that almost contributes to how close to home the environment of joker hits you know mm-hmm 
his reasoning for doing the film almost kind of rationalizes why he makes this film that's almost believable and kind of evokes some societal feelings or trains of thought that uh, hit really close to home. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, as I stress this, if you haven't seen the movie, please go see it. Um, and as Misha kind of touched on earlier, it's not, this is not your superhero DC movie. They, um, I don't even think they used the word Joker to like the last like 15, 20 minutes of the film. I think mm. the only really relations and parallels that it has to the universe is that one they're in Gotham and two that this Arthur Fleck plays a clown for right. a living. Um, you know, there's no Batman of course, cause in the movie Bruce Wayne is oh, nine years old something like that. Um, yeah. There's no other like talks of the universe in general. Um, which I, I preferred actually, I was kind of, ho- I was waiting for them to like bring in some offhand, comment about sure. the, about the universe and i'm glad they didn't and to pop in with like a baseball bat and face paint and stuff like <laughs> right there was no like electric like hand buzzers and um right you know no I, and i was really grateful for that because yeah obviously it hasn't been as well received as the mcu the marvel cinematic universe um and very early on when you, you first heard stories about joker it was that it was going to be a standalone movie um, and that there weren't any plans for sequels. Um, you know, DC, they, they really tried to associate themselves in some way with that to make this a really, really good standalone movie. Yeah, um, I think I did say till the end, there was no end credit scene, so don't waste your right. time doing that. Um, again, the music was... And there are definitely no, no plans for, for sequels. I, I think that was... Um, made early on um, for mm-hmm. there not to be an expectation for you know another Batman story to be woven into this or for side characters to make entrances it's I guess the development of Arthur Fleck into the Joker and then kind of whatever statements Todd Phillips is trying to make about society yeah so our our verdict um, and some closing thoughts is go see the movie um, for me Again, Joker isn't just an awesome, you know, comic book movie because it's not really that, but it's just an awesome movie. Period. Um, it offers um, no real easy answers to again to these unsettling questions that it raises about society and how cruel it is and what can happen when someone is at their absolute lowest and the world becomes too unfair. I think Joaquin Phoenix was fully committed to this role. Um, he had an often an awesome performance. Um, Todd Phillips again did a great job with the material that he had, and I think it should definitely um, leave comic book fans and non fans alike um, disturbed and and definitely moved all all in the right ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd agree with uh, you know the strong direction and obvi- obviously the strong individual performance by Phoenix. Um, I think obviously with the kind of home run performance that Heath Ledger did of the Joker. It's impossible for people not to compare any Joker performance to his. Um, I think Heath still comes out on top in this one. Um, while he didn't, he kind of played an already developed Joker, whereas Phoenix kind of showed this development into the Joker. Heath Ledger was definitely more like unrecognizable. Um, when Joaquin Phoenix was 
supposed to be the Joker. You could still see sort of glimpses of Phoenix in there. But um, the the individual performance, again, was super strong, um, despite, you know, not necessarily stacking up to Heath. Um, but the art direction was incredible um, and was just a really um, thrilling, intense, and, again, dark movie. So uh, while we do urge you to go see it, just keep that in mind that it's not going to be uh, kind of a light and frothy superhero movie like you might expect not in the slightest that brings us to our next topic apex Legends season three um this is something that just came out this is a game that misha and i both play together um so first misha do you want to tell us uh, about your experience with the game um so i played in the early days of the beta uh, and upon release um, but obviously with season three comes uh, a few new things to add to the list, including a new map, new legend that you're able to play with, um, and some new weapons. Um, and obviously things like a new battle pass where as you complete challenges or gain experience, you can unlock new skins and weapons, things like that. So I guess to start out, um, probably the biggest thing to note is this new map. Um, and I guess... I don't really feel too differently about it from the first map. Uh, I mean, it's diverse. Um, it's. I feel like it has a better balance of larger areas to drop, and uh, you know, obviously the introduction of some new guns, like uh, a new charge rifle, which is a basically like a laser beam type of sniper rifle, um, and as well as an L star, which is um, something you get in late game. Uh, care package drops which is a light machine gun despite like the new map and i guess its integrity i've still one of the biggest things that annoys me with this game is like you said the rng uh, like we were talking about the other day kyle just how random the generation of guns and even at like really big drop locations it's just like it's really hit or miss and you're really dependent on getting lucky with a good drop right yeah um weapon loot has like you said has definitely it seems to be changed um i think they from what i've seen online is that the developers change this to better appeal to new players um whether that's dropping in scavenging a little bit longer to find weapons but yeah there's certainly a high frustration for me and again our party that whenever we play that we land we can't find anything and if we do find something it's one of the worst games or one of the worst guns in the game right and it's just it is again it's just frustrating but they do yeah this was a problem that they tried to address even in like the early days when i was playing back in like season one was they were trying be videos on you look on twitter and youtube videos of people going like two to three minutes and like not being able to find a single gun um so it's something they knew like happened on a pretty regular basis and they must have tried to fix but it's still like infuriating even in areas where they're supposed to be you know higher level or legendary loot for you to just be like running around finding pistols and backpacks and you know not really setting yourself up for a good game yeah and and of course with new weapons as you mentioned and with new with new rng they have new weapon attachments as well and a bunch of guns that are fairly easy to use have brand new hop-ups in season three so the two easiest assault rifles to use in the game that i think 
are definitely the th- uh, R three hundred one and the Flatline. Mm-hmm. Um, they have no wind up time, and the recoil is very minimal. And they, I would say, they have pretty decent range. Um, but they do have a new attachment called the Anvil Receiver that pretty much increases their semi-auto damage. Um, so you don't want to just be spamming or holding down your right trigger. Um, definitely take more burst fires with that Anvil Receiver and definitely see um, higher damage. Definitely. Yeah, like when I do see a flatline in games, um, I'll usually pick it up and it's good because if you have like a sniper as well as your second weapon, the flatline, if you switch between, you know, full auto and single, you have a good like close and medium range covered with that anvil receiver. And then, you know, you have basically any anywhere from short to long range covered um, with that kind of loadout. But yeah, definitely a lot of new attachments. Um, but probably one of the most rage inducing introductions has been this charge rifle. Yes. Um, I think it definitely presents a fairly... Um beginner friendly option for for long range combat which i think stems a lot of frustration because anyone can just pick it up and use it um you know it does require time to charge the the weapon works as it fires this laser as it's warming up but then as the laser charges it sends off this this boom i guess of of energy which deals the higher damage but yeah like i said Like like a slightly more like concentrated part of the beam Right, and the laser itself does damage too. So even if you miss your your mark, you're still you're still getting damage on someone. Yeah, but I, I think it's a good point that you bring up that it makes it a little more beginner friendly um, because I feel like in the world of VR or battle royale, um, what Fortnite has always done really well is making the game really approachable um, and easy for people to pick up and play. It, like, uh, there's there's obviously I think with the the outcry and the negative critical reception of the charge rifle they'll probably end up nerfing it i think at some point um but compete with obviously fortnite is kind of the king of battle royale at the moment in order to compete with them they do have to do things to make the game a little more approachable yeah and then um for me one of the cooler new features that was added in season three is they have brand new audio cues um, specifically warnings for when you're being attacked by more than one squad. Um, if you have your your character's volume muted, you don't hear these, so I would advise you turn them on. Um, but as we all know, if you play Apex, that the firefights can definitely be hectic um, once that safe area becomes small enough. So, um, you know, occasionally it's difficult to discern one enemy team from another. So for anyone who's worried about holding their team back by not knowing when to retreat, um, or anything like that, there's definitely these new audio cues to help you out. So, for example, um, Bangalore might yell out, ambush, there's another squad. Or Caustic, I think, says something like, we're being attacked by two different squads. It's these small changes that I think, again, are helping new players um, have a little bit of, I guess, less of a disadvantage. Sure, yeah, and in the few hours that I have put in on Season 3, those have definitely... Um, kind of been helpful they allow you to i guess gain a little bit more awareness a little more knowledge about what's going on around you um and obviously this is a game that's a lot about mobility so um just having like a even a head start or just a quick heads up that you're um you're getting ambushed or there's other squads around um kind of gives you a little bit of a leg up yeah and 
and more than anything, um, the new champion crypto, his his addition to um, the game definitely, in my opinion, provides the easiest way to like join your friends and not have to worry about knowing how the entire game works. You can kind of, you know, crypto, in my opinion, is at his best when he's kind of tucked away, you know, in a corner using his tactical drones to kind of see where enemies are, EMP them. So, you know, if you're a new player to the game, playing as crypto actually might give you an excuse to not run in head first into a firefight because, you know, you can also benefit your team by pinpointing targets and kind of just staying back with that drone. Yeah, so for those of you who aren't familiar um, or haven't gotten to play yet, so Crypto, obviously his tactical ability, like Kyle was saying, is a surveillance drone um, that has a really long distance. So like Kyle said, it's not really in the heat of the action to pull out your surveillance drone, but it allows you to basically pilot this drone, fly it around, and tag onto enemies so that you and your teammate can see them through uh, walls and things like that. Um, and then his ultimate ability, um, once it's charged up, is a drone EMP. Get this drone around, um, and the EMP deals shield damage and slows people down, disables traps and things like that. So it's definitely something that makes uh, picking up and playing with your friends, if you haven't had a lot of experience in this game, really easy. Uh, I think there are other like lifelines, a pretty easy one to pick up and play same with bangalore is pretty mobile and kind of a good attack legend but um the addition to cryptos uh one that definitely adds to the game yeah and at the very least you know simply playing as him will help you get acclimated to um apex's kind of role-centric gameplay as well because each legend and each champion they do bring their own roles to the game so it's important to understand how they work not only alone but as they can work together in your team to win the game yeah absolutely and then one one small addition that i thought was kind of interesting it doesn't really impact the game too much but cool gimmick is there is a train uh which basically has a track that circulates the entire map um and it's kind of constantly on a loop and a bit like the dropship um or the like the the supply ship in the first map uh, you can drop onto this train uh, basically from your spawn and uh, it has loot uh, you can stop it at different stops around the map um, and it kind of provides you a new dynamic to the game and also a way to kind of port you and your team from one place to another yeah it's definitely a cool a cool addition to the map because um, this map definitely is at least twice the size of the previous one um, so having that extra mobility option is definitely is definitely a cool thing to have. Um, right. And then another change in season three is is the ranked the ranked matches. They had some ranked in season two. They were kind of playing with it, but they kind of took a lot of community feedback and they kind of revamped it into a way that is a little bit, little bit more um, rewarding. Um, so for instance, you you don't have to worry about being judged, I guess, for a low kill count at the end of the match because ranked matches now keep track of your assist. So, right. Um, yeah, they're taking kind of a similar, like a page, similar BRs, like obviously PUBG and Fortnite uh, in those sort of competitive matches. Um, kills are almost as, or your placement is 
pretty much as if not more important than your kill count right and it's it's satisfying to some players to know that the game rewards them for fulfilling more of a support role you know in season two it was very difficult to engage in ranked um for me knowing you know you're primary primarily rewarded for only surviving like you said and getting kills and and it was just like curated this competition it almost seemed like with my squad um to like oh well i, I gotta get this killer um you know and it's it, kind of promoting teamwork and cohesiveness right like with the whole the whole assist thing you don't have to worry about oh well if i don't get the kill then what's the point i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rank up this kind of again rewards you for filling in that support role mm-hmm. and i think that also makes it more necessary for you to queue up with you know people that you know or people that are willing to work together and kind of use those support abilities and kind of play off of each other um because you know obviously queuing with random sometimes people are either in for the individual accomplishments or they don't necessarily care about winning so if you're playing ranked i'd recommend having at least two others uh, yeah. you need two others <laughs> uh, in order to be really effective yeah and then um again the new assist system which um I like it means from what I've seen playing is that the more veteran players will most likely be more willing to come to maybe their less experienced teammates aid more often. And, you know, now knowing that their own performance and rank will get a nice boost, even if they don't um, get the kill shot, I guess. Um, But all in all, there really has never been a better time to get into apex legends. Um, if you haven't played it, it's free to play. Just download it to whatever system you play on. Crypto, the newest legend, is the most beginner-friendly legend ever introduced. Um, so I would definitely check him out first. It's unfortunate that, unlike games like Overwatch, he, new champions don't come unlocked for free. You do have to play, earn coins, or you can buy Apex coins to unlock the character. Um, but definitely give it a shot if you haven't. Another reason to get started uh, this week, especially, and I hope you don't mind if I jump in real quick here, Kyle. Um, I don't know if you've noticed in several locations across the new map, there are these like locked vaults um, where you're obviously unable to open the doors and there's like a countdown. Countdown is basically time to this Wednesday, October 9th. And what it is, is inside these vaults, there's tons of um, purple and gold like armor weapons materials and things like that and uh, I looked a little bit more into it and in this new map there are loot drones flying around and if you shoot those down you basically have a chance to win uh, like a key card or like a gate pass for these locked vaults um, so I'd recommend getting a few games in this week in anticipation of those vaults being able to be unlocked on October 9th good luck fun don't die all right well that brings us to the end of the very first episode of the coast to coast podcast thanks for those of you who gave us a chance and gave us a listen on next week's show uh we'll be covering the week's latest in entertainment including the premiere of ryan johnson's mystery movie knives out as well as the much anticipated ad standalone movie uh, el camino that'll be premiering on netflix 
As always, we would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, right now we are on anchor.fm slash coastpodcast and Spotify. Um, coming to Apple Podcasts and Google Play shortly. So go to our dashboard, leave us a comment. You can even send us a message if you'd like on there. Um, any feedback, anything you want to hear in the future. Share the podcast, tell a friend about it. Don't forget to rate and review it. And we'll talk at you next week.